0: Hello and welcome to the Doing Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And first up on the show, very soon, very shortly, um, we're going to be speaking with Lex Watton. And we've interviewed Lex Watton quite a few times on this show. And he's going to be speaking to us about um, a damages Um, a damages case that has has happened with him. It's a class action. And as he says so many times, though, 30 pieces of silver is not going to actually um, take away the trauma and and the hurt. So basically, um, sorry, we just had a few technical difficulties then, but... Yeah, in case listeners didn't hear that, um, we're going to be having Lex Watton on the show. He's an Indigenous um, activist and we'll be speaking to him. Then after that, we're going to be speaking with um, decolonising allies and his name is Brendan. He's going to be talking to us about a Maori teenager who is going to be deported to New Zealand after his after his sentence is over, he's in prison at the moment in solitary confinement. So we're going to talk to him about that. Then after that, we're going to talk with Latoya and we're going to speak to her about her brother who died in custody. Um, Latoya is a very beautiful and very proud Aboriginal female activist and has done a lot of work um, in terms of deaths in custody. And yeah, so that's the whole show. And now, to talk about the shocking inequalities, the traumatic history and the dysfunctional bureaucratic system which suffocates Palm Island and other Aboriginal communities today. Hello, Lex. Welcome to the program.
1: Yes, hello. Hi, Lex.
0: That was a bit of a marathon introduction, but anyway. (laughs) Lovely to have you, Lex. So, yeah, so we were just wondering if you wanted just to talk to us a little bit about what your feelings are about what's been going on with um, the class action?
1: What do you mean? Uh, like, just, you
0: know, how you feel about it.
1: Oh, well, like a lot of interviews, people ask me how I yeah. feel about it. I, I still feel the same as I was, was all my life, I suppose. It's just something that I was a part of just more than anything. Exactly. And that, um, yeah, I, really didn't change me all that much other than just your, I suppose, in the public's eyes, the profile just lifted, you know what I mean, And in, in in the areas of um, activism, I suppose. Yeah, just another part of, uh, well, this time it's a victory in your struggle when it comes to um, fighting different causes yeah.
0: Yeah, well, we nearly nearly didn't ask you, Lex, because we thought to ourselves, you know what, you've probably had so many interviews, you're sick of it. But to be quite honest with you, we want to thank you for coming on because we do need to keep this alive, don't we?
1: Yeah, oh, look, uh, that's up to. uh, thing at the moment, as you probably are aware, Um, there were negative things that were um, conveyed out into the wider public due to uh, the um, certain other media, outlets, Um, Mm. you know, they portray everything uh, in a negative way and stuff like that, but um, that was counteracted, I suppose, through social media, but um, it's what people make of it at at the end of the day, and um, they've sort of upset a few people, especially in the um, police area here in the state. Uh, I'm not sure what it's like um, nationally, but um, the verdict's been um, handed down, and people just have to accept it more than anything. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And and in fact, Lex, the police are upset, but boo hoo. Boo hoo. Because, yeah, well, boo hoo. I mean, basically, look at what's happened. And just to refresh the memories of listeners, the federal court ruled that the Queensland police actions breached. And indeed breached the racial discrimination acts, didn't it?
1: yes, so um like you said um, it's been also it's been a long struggle and then to um, get the result that we had, you know, and not only that um, what listeners should be aware of or made aware of that um, the state had um, three opportunities to settle and um when they, uh, um, so they refused to settle at first and that was, there was an amount that was, um, proposed. And, but at that time, um, the government was uh, an obliged government, uh, state labor and, um, they just took, um, caretaker mode, um, just after, um, we, um, had mediation on a settlement and, um, they were probably hoping to... To get back in and settle at that point, but um, then the Newman government got in and sat on it for two years and um, rejected the um, proposal. So we continued down the track, and then we there was still room to negotiate a settlement. And then we had proposals put up to them, and um, they um, oh well, that's when. Uh, Palaszczuk government got in and then we, um, they didn't want to settle so um, we continued down the track and we went to court and then we still had room to negotiate and um, they come back with an offer which was very low, you know half a million dollars and then so we rejected and then we just proceeded to, to the courts and then um, before the judgment, there was still room to um, negotiate a settlement, but the state didn't. Then the verdict was given, and um, so it was in our favor, and then they had the opportunity to appeal, and then public pressure and everything else along with that. So they, and according to their l- legal advice, they were to... S- it'd be better to settle the matter and put it to rest. And, um, and the wider public knew of it, you know, there were reports. And then, um, so it was to, um, proceed back into the courts for, um, individual, um, cases and stuff or, um, thing, but there was also room to negotiate this settlement now, that, um, thing, um, and at the time, because we, um, um, the lawyers organized, um, reg- regist- we had a registrar here, and then um, it was open to 2,000 people, but only 447 registered, and then before the shuttle paid and then um, our um, lawyers, through some accountants, uh, come up with the figure of $40 million, and um The state had to, um, so there was a mediation to ting and then um, room to move on. So they, and we knew we wouldn't get the 40 million, but, um, and we weren't going to go lower than 30. So, um, and they they probably had a higher figure. They probably had a, you know, a bigger um, that they could, um, they probably wanted to take us down. More than 30, but uh, yeah, we were to have three days of mediation. We settled it on the first day. Uh,
0: when or was it settled?
1: Oh, sometime late, oh, was it late November or early
0: December. And then and, the police um, appealed, did they, after that?
1: No, no, there was, there's no, no one could appeal it. It's
0: just good. simple as that. There's no way
1: it, it, anything can be overturned. What, Happens now, it has to go to court approval because um, there were terms of reference references set up between my party and uh, um, state, and um, so um, that that'll go to court now. We, but we have to wait for court approval next month on those terms of references, and then um, then we've got forty one days for um, objections by. Actual um, um, registrar members. So if they, you know, some of the community members feel that they deserve more, um, then they, they just have to lodge a, an appeal and then everything sort of stands still until their matter settled in court. But then um, it's at their legal cost and everything else. So, a yeah, so, It's a Cat 22 for people like that, but um, that was made known publicly here Thursday and in Townsville on Wednesday. We had um, two lots of meetings to um, inform people of the rollout of the um, settlement, and um, so hopefully within the next 12 months it should be all, um, you know, paid out. So, yeah.
0: Well, you, you know, Lex like I said um, at the beginning and like I I spoke to you today you know you were were mentioning 30 pieces of silver doesn't wash away the hurt, does it?
1: Yeah, well that's true and uh, like I said that uh, even before negotiations and if um, the lawyers, because it got so far that, you know uh, because the uh, application was made on behalf of the community and because I never had a chance to talk to the community in that sense, in this sense, that I would prefer over $30 million that Early be locked away for the rest of his life. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And then all those police officers charged who were in collusion with all of this stuff.
0: Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Chris Hurley was acquitted, Senior Sergeant mm. Chris Hurley, and... He was acquitted um, of manslaughter in in two thousand and seven. I mean, this has been going what for, for twelve years, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, um, applications for this particular um, thing with the suit that was lodged in two thousand and seven. So, what's that? Um, that's pretty much thing. But when you look at the whole saga of the palm yeah. thing, it's almost forty years. So, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, that's exactly right because you've got. You've got not only what happened with um, with the Aboriginal death in custody of Cameron Demedi, but we've also got other atrocities and other things that that have happened on Palm Island for since 1788. Mm. Well, that's true, isn't it?
1: And, uh, oh well, Palm actually celebrating its hundred year uh, centenary um, this particular year and stuff like that. But um, when you look at when going back to the, my particular thing, my matter uh,
2: I sort of was, well
1: since then I've been in the public eye I suppose with the, um, you can't sort of separate the two um, the um, the death in custody the, um, so-called right and then the suit, so and in between that you had other things like where I had to go that uh, I went to the federal court to, um Get me um the conditions um, lifted, where the um, you know I couldn't speak in public or speak to media, you know, my freedom of speech was taken away, and I mm. think that's what the wider public should know. There, there is a uh, uh, history. There's a lot of things that happened within that time. You know. Uh, yeah. And,
2: well,
0: that's right. So yeah. you're t- you're talking about when you when you went to to prison after being charged for inciting a so-called riot and then being gagged afterwards and not being allowed to say anything?
1: Yeah, parole. You know, my parole, that was part of my parole condition and stuff. But like I said, there was a series of um, court cases in between um, 2004 to 2008 and then after 2008 the federal court to get the um, gag removed and stuff like that, yeah. That's, and then yeah. all these earrings up until, um, you know, the federal court for this particular thing. So, yeah, I've been sort of in and out of the courts,
0: yeah. In and out of the courts and all because Mr DeMudgee um, died because he sang the song Who Let The Dogs Out. Isn't it well
1: that's part of it yeah, that's it. but it's because healy felt that it he had the right to lock his up because um the um police liaison at the time, Bingrew, um, you know, um told Healy that don't worry about Cameron's supposed to have harassed him about thing he's used to that, you know, being um chastised, I suppose, about um locking
0: his own people up. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and indeed you know you're quite right Lex. I mean that that is that is a big part of it but we've we've also got to um let listeners know as well, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was also the the raiding of your home and the the persecution yeah. of your family
1: as well. Yeah, well that 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 yeah, well my home and um hating ours is all up, and then the whole community you know just to um, actually just seeing it you, you don't have to be thing but just to visualize and see um, police officers running around you know with high powered rifles and all this and that sort you know would have been scary for a lot of people and stuff like that and um, then not only that you, they weren't allowed to travel to and from. Palm, and um, you know, because it was declared a state of emergency, which was also deemed illegal, uh, um, and um, that was also part of my um, trial, and then the trial of this um, suit. uh, Then they, you know, um, confiscated um, groceries from the um, local store and stuff like that. You know, so. Yeah, sort of left the community without for a couple of days. So, it's, uh, and the terror, you know, that was played out, I suppose, that, you know, people were terrorized. And um, at that particular time, there was no actual media over there. Um, there were a few others that snuck in, Tony Kosh through the Australian and um, did a really good report and that actually gave. Evidence on my behalf um, during the um, this particular suit. It, it was one, you know, very supportive, and his report was really
0: good. Yeah. Absolutely. Lex, I wanted to ask you a question, um, and you may not know the answer, but it's in regards to Indigenous health campaigner Professor Graceland Smallwood, who's a lovely yeah. woman, isn't she? We've interviewed her quite a few times on air yeah. here. Oh,
1: look, she was very good support for. Um, myself and and the community um since that time um you know uh, i think after being released within days of being released on uh, after the riots uh, some two weeks in prison waiting to get bail and stuff i um uh, got in contact with him you know um and had a talking told her that she needed to do some um well More or less, be my mouthpiece at times because um, I was on orders too at that particular time. So yeah, and I was working, and I wasn't allowed back on the island and stuff like that. So yeah, so there was a there's a history of I suppose um, trying to suppress uh, me in so many different ways.
0: Yeah. yeah well, lex it's it's so wonderful to have you on the show and um, and I'm hope we want to wish you the very best for you and your family and, and indeed for the whole community of Palm Island and I certainly want to make it clear that to listeners and I'm sure listeners know this already, this is not greed, it's not greed, it's about the fact that justice has to be served. That's mm. what this is about.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. And look, like I said, there was an opportunity for the state to settle, and and I didn't look at um, um, there wasn't part of some of the settlement wasn't actual um, monies, but um, funds to be put into programs to um, help the community um, move forward in a positive way. And um, but the state didn't agree to that, so yeah. Uh, That's why we had to continue down that track to um, get a good outcome. And uh, and it has happened. And what listeners should uh, understand, too, that, you know, if, say, 1,500 of the 2,000 that were eligible, the amounts would have been even greater. And I made that known to the state already knew that, but at this final um, mediation to um, settle this um, particular thing. You know, it was pretty upsetting to sit there and then go on through the and they didn't want to um, make amends. Well, they it was their job to come down as low as they can. And I said, you know, mm. you have to realise that, um, like I said, even if we got 2,000...
2: People
1: that claim it would have been, you know, three, four times what we settled at. So, yeah, so, and a lot of people are winking about uh, taxpayers dollars, but my simple um, answer to that is, you know, um, when you pay GST, you're paying tax. So we're all taxpayers, and, you know, uh, it could be, um, revenue that the state has, um, uh, thing, and that's where they're probably paying this 30 million from. You know, there are a lot of people from some social media stuff that I've seen, you know, pretty upset, but they forget the fact that there was a death in custody. And Correct. That it, yeah. There was collusion, there was a cover up, and that, um, you know, the police have lied and lied and lied, you know.
0: That's exactly right,
2: and indeed, the state
1: comes to this. The the judge, saw their lies for what it was, and then ruled on on the the documents that we put up, and then you know, the law. We it wasn't a thing that we just thing, and she just listens. It was points of law that we, you know, had to go on to get the outcome.
0: And I believe that the state government has also agreed to offer an, an apology.
1: Yes, yes, uh, that was part of the uh, uh, what we wanted, and um, the judge um, talked about that, but she didn't. She said she wasn't going to actually recommend it uh-huh. because um, it's not something that uh, thing, but. If she had to, she would um, consider it, and um,
0: consider it. But,
1: yeah, and then uh, that would have been part of this last lot of case uh, court. If um, you know, if um, the state didn't think settle for this thirty million, but but um, the state agreed, and um, yeah, so that's. That'll be um, all in writing. Uh, It'll be in the Queensland uh, Courier-Mail and I think the um, Townsville Bulletin and a few other things. I'm not sure what thing, and probably, you know, as soon as people get it, they'll put it on social media and all that, which is good.
0: That's fantastic, Lex. And just one final question, just so that we can set everything in context. So, just so listeners know... So the Queensland government's appeal that happened before, didn't it? That happened before before all this the, judgment.
1: Um, no, no, no. After we got the judgment,
0: yeah,
1: um, then they had 21 days to appeal it.
0: Yes. And Then on the
1: on the 21 uh, last day of before five, they lodged an appeal.
3: Okay. And
1: then there. Yeah.
3: And then they, and they then, lost it. Um,
1: no, no, well, right. um what had to once they lodged the appeal, um, it was in the process of um we would have had to have gone back and we would have had to um well, they would have had to try and right. find differences in the judgment I suppose. And um but there was due to uh, people like Sister Grace um organizing um a petition, I think we wanted needed twenty five thousand signatures. I think we got about twenty to thirty thousand signatures, and um,
2: good. And
1: then there were um, our local federal member um, was in support. Um, there were some actual state members, um, labour and um, thing. Here,
0: Alex. Hello? Oh, I think we've got some problems here. You there, Lex? Uh, um, we'll just go to a cart or... Oh, there is. No, I think we might have got cut off. We'll have to go to a cart. I mean, announcement. An announcement. <laughs> announcement.
2: We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419 8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
0: And you're back with the Doin' Time show. And we were just speaking with Lex Watton. And we had some technical difficulties. We're running over time already. Pretty soon we're going to be speaking with Brendan from Decolonising Allies. Um, But before we do that, I just wanted to just say that we were speaking with Lex Watton about a settlement that has a landmark settlement actually that has happened in um, the court. And just to quickly say that... Mr. Uh, on the day of Mr DeMage's autopsy, results were read out about a week after his death. Mr Watton led angry residents on a so-called riot through the town. I see it more as a protest. Mr Watton was later convicted of inciting a riot and served 19 months in jail before being released on parole in 2014. And I just wanted to draw attention to listeners to, um, just to let them know that that's how it all started. That's how it all originated um, okay, we're going to be speaking now with Brendan. Brendan, welcome to the program. Oh, hello. hello and uh, I, did I get your, the name of the group right?
4: Uh, allies Decolonising. Allies Decolonising. Well, I think the <laughs> meaning was conveyed. That's okay. That's okay.
0: <laughs> okay, so just to correct that, it's Allies Decolonising and... Brendan, I believe that you wanted to talk about um, an event and what's what's going on with a young Maori boy who's in solitary confinement. Can you tell us his name and talk about what happened?
4: Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, a couple of days ago, marked around one year uh, since uh, an 18-year-old Maori boy, uh, Jason Rawiddy, um, has been kept in solitary confinement in the Banksia Hill Detention Centre in WA, Um, And so solitary, what that means is 22 hours a day without meaningful human contact. Um, I can't even imagine to experience what that's like, let alone do I imagine anyone else be able to do so. Um, But yeah, his mother uh, recently stated just how difficult it has been and just the lack of hope that he himself has been experiencing. Understandably so after all this uh, torture and abuse, you would say. Um, So myself and a few others, uh, this Thursday um, at RMIT, we're just going to be hosting a letter writing and solidarity photo shoot event uh, inspired by um, Shut Youth Prison Mipartnui's event uh, in Alice Springs. Uh, We'll be writing letters to Jason, so providing an opportunity for people to convey, express whatever they would like um, to him, Um, not only in spite of everything he's been through and will be going through, but he's a young person like anyone else who deserves love, opportunity, understanding and I think it's a great space where people can just let him know that, hey, people are thinking about you and it's disgusting and awful what you've been through but you deserve a lot of good things.
0: And where is this event taking place?
4: Um, Give me a sec, I'll get up the exact details. So um, RMIT Building 80, Level 5, Room 11, Um, So the building's located on 445 Swanston Street in Melbourne CBD. Um, We'll have uh, signage up to direct people and also chuck up a phone number if anyone gets lost and wants any guidance.
0: So in Australia, 84% of offenders under 18 years of age are sent to detention centres, huh? Mm. From from what I've seen, from what I've been um, researching about. Mm. and. Brendan, just just another question, final question. With um, this young man, is why is he being deported? They want to deport him back to New Zealand at the mm. end of his sentence. Mm-hmm. What, and, what for?
4: Um, I think I'll just start on to that. He also doesn't have any supporting networks in New Zealand either. I think the short, maybe honest answer, I think it probably relates to just racist underpinnings of our legislation, um, our nation. Um, I've, maybe it's a tough-on-crime approach, which is wanting to be conveyed, but obviously that's illogical, that there's no data which suggests that, let alone anyone else's experience. Uh, yeah, crime doesn't come out of choice, um, as we all know, but more underlying socioeconomic factors, um, structural influences at play. So I, I think... It's just some gross, um, just some uh, action to seem like stuff is being done on quote-unquote crime, but really it's just serving um, those in power.
0: Absolutely. And on May 18th, I believe that Jason's family and supporters based in Perth will be marching for Jason so that his voice is heard in the Mm -hmm. hope of his release
4: yeah, that's correct. So um, another thing that we're hoping to do with this um, event here in NAR Melbourne is just to not only show our support and solidarity to Jason, but all those marching for him and um, all other incarcerated youth on the day after. Um, mm.
0: Brendan, it's so lovely to have you and really, listeners, try and rock up to this event Um can you just plug the, the event again, Brendan?
4: I would love to. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you can find it on Facebook just by searching Letter Writing and Solidarity Photoshoot for Jason Rawiti. Uh, it's this Thursday, 17th of May, uh, starting from 6pm going till 7. Uh, it's in RMIT um, Building 80, Level 5, Room 11 and that building is located on 445 Swanston Street in Melbourne CBD. Uh, and in the event, uh, on the day, we'll chuck up contact details if anyone uh, would like just assistance getting there. If they get lost in the maze, that is RMIT. Hmm.
0: Brendan, thank you so much for coming onto the program. And just to correct that again, it, that was Brendan from Allies Decolonising. We're, we're due to be actually interviewing Latoya Rule about um, the Aboriginal death in custody of Wayne Morrison. Um, so we're going to be doing that shortly. And just before we do that, we wanted to actually extend um, a sincere apology to Lex Watton, who was um, we got cut off. Um, he was an, on Palm Island, so there yeah. would have been technical difficulties, perhaps with um, with mobile phones. It's quite a remote area. So apologies to listeners um, that we didn't finish that interview although it was nearly finished anyway we were just concluding it it's yeah. approximately 4:33 or 4:34 i should say <laughs> and um, and perhaps we should we should now get on to latoya who is patiently waiting
4: okay
2: we know you love our 3CR radical radio t-shirts and so do we They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419 8377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
1: Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime.
3: People don't understand that it was a military exercise.
1: It was military in the First Fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly because the white man is not prepared to act honourably and legally
3: still
2: the case in this country today. This is
0: 3CR. You're back with the Doin' Time show and we're interviewing now LaToya, um, who is the sister of, of Wayne Morrison who died in prison while waiting to appear in court. And the families say that they feel abandoned by the system, and I believe this happened last September. And indeed, we did interview this wonderful Indigenous campaigner, um, I believe, last year sometime. So we did quite a lot of work with her. And so we're going to be speaking with her shortly about how what's going on with Wayne, whether, whether there's been any... Um, any updates? And the, I think the thing that I find horribly horrific about this whole thing is that the, the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody um, have not been upheld. Wayne was lying in intensive care on life support. He was, um, he was actually allegedly involved in some type of um, incident w- with some guards and and it's it's quite terrible the way that he was treated. Hello, Latoya. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks
3: for having me again. I hope you're well since last time we've seen each Thank you.
0: It's lovely. It seems like yesterday, doesn't it? <laughs> it
3: does. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Latoya, you, you know, I'm sure you've you know a lot of the time what we need to do, isn't it, when we're when we're doing things like this, is repeat, repeat, repeat. We need to keep yeah. on educating and, and keep on keeping things alive, don't we?
3: Yeah, I agree
0: for sure. So I'm wondering if you could just talk to us just about what's what's been going on. Um, what what date did this happen in September, and and what year?
3: Um, so this was over a year and a half ago now. So it wasn't last September. It was the year
0: before. Sorry, the year before. I know That's right. Really
3: quickly though. <laughs> yeah, 2016, um, I believe. Yeah, the 26th of September, 2016. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my family and I. As I've said in the past, um, we're going to see Wayne after six days on remand um, at his home detention bail application at the Magistrate Court in Adelaide here, um, on of land. And, um, yeah, somebody ran into the court with a note just saying for the Magistrate that Wayne couldn't appear. Um, we were told to go away and do our own, kind of make our own phone calls and do our own research about where he was. Um, and, yeah, we were just completely lied to during the entire process. It wasn't until that night, quite late at night, that we even got to know where Wayne was through an anonymous um, tip that somebody had passed on through Aboriginal Legal Rights Movement um, that made its way to us and found out he was in intensive care um, Yeah, after an alleged altercation with over five prison that um, I guess to update you on what we know now, after such a long time, we know that um, the coronial proceedings will be taking place this August. We don't have a particular date yet, but the coroner's court will start, which is where we'll, I guess, be given the coroner's report um, and, you know, be able to, I guess, have some closure, maybe around some information that's missing in our own knowledge of what happened. But over the last year and a half, we actually um, were successful in getting up a parliamentary um, investigation or inquiry into prison. Um, so Wayne's case was part of that process. And my mother and I, my sister, along with our lawyer, George Newhouse, is part of the National Justice Project in Sydney. Um, the similar representation for Miss Jew's case as well same um person. Bill went and gave evidence there in Parliament. Um the outcomes of that have been posted on the South Australian um, parliamentary what is it, kind of website. If you go there you can see all the inquiries that are taking place on their website. Um, all of our um, submissions are posted there along with the final report and recommendations. They didn't necessarily pick up our recommendations from our family, though they did, I guess, pick up the fact that um, our good friend, Jerry George Artis from WA made recommendations about the crucial aspects um, of the custody notification system that's been implemented in New South Wales and a few other places, Jerry's pushed that now. And yeah, the parliament of South Australia, thankfully put that in their recommendations um, as something really important to pick up for South Australia, so I guess that was really um, a positive aspect that came. So yeah, some good things moving forward, and um, also just waiting for some more information as well.
0: So there is—it's a parliamentary inquiry that's already hap- that's already in progress. Uh,
3: has already fin- been finalised. Oh, good. Yeah. So that happened um, last year.
0: Yep. Fantastic.
3: Wayne's case was one of five particular cases that were targeted um, to, you know, to focus on in that parliamentary investigation inquiry. Um, And that was just into the administration of South Australian prisons. So some of the other cases, out of all five cases, there were three that involved Aboriginal people. Um, One, you know, and to be honest, our state in South Australia is actually... Um, the highest incarcerator of Aboriginal peoples over the last 10 years. Adelaide? Uh, Nationwide, yeah. Um, So, yeah, over the last 10 years. It's also currently the third incarcerator, highest incarcerator of Aboriginal people behind WA and NT. Um, And I think we may have the second or the third lowest population of Aboriginal people. So... Given those rates, it's actually quite high for who we are. Um, We've also just been given, changed over a Liberal government, which Mm. is quite detrimental to proceedings around prisons. Um, Yeah, they've rolled out definitely um, more policing in our communities around terrorism laws. Um, it's, It's pretty... Alarming for people who are on the front line of resistance as well Mm. to be in public spaces. Um, So, yeah, Adelaide, I'm kind of calling on people to really start focusing on Adelaide and South Australia um, at the moment just because of all the changes that are happening and, yeah, the lack of justice. And actually, since Wayne's passing, three other Aboriginal people have passed in custody in South Australia.
0: Have the names Um, been released yet?
3: They haven't. No, yes, not yet. Um, the last one, actually, I don't know. The, the last one after Wayne, um, for instance, was an Aboriginal man who, in Parafield Gardens, and disrespectful, obviously of his family, um, I won't say Of name, course. but it hasn't been released anyway. No, no. Um, but he unfortunately was uh, arrested on his front lawn. His family were home at the time, his children, um, and he has a heart, had a heart condition. Um, he started to, I guess, have some problems during the arrest um, on the front lawn of his home and he was asking for police to give him his medication, which if you um, have issues with your heart, you'll know that there's a certain medication that you just pop under your tongue. It actually calms down your body um, and, you know, it really helped. Now, the police refused that simple um, medication and he actually passed away on his front lawn in front of his children.
0: Just speak them. Um,
3: so, yeah, disgusting, really, really upsetting, um, just the fact that they wouldn't even allow him his medication. So, you know, there's some things like that happening at the moment. Um, the other two, they're in custody, are yeah, still yet to be um, determined. And, you know, if our coroner is only getting to our case a year and a half, you now almost two years later it will be by the time it starts, And. I, I reckon these
0: families are also going to have to wait such a long time. So really, uh, what, what the Do and Time Show um, needs to do then is to watch this space, and we need to start um, focusing on South Australia. We have done some work with South Australia, but yeah. New South Wales and has 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 been one of the the points, you know, the interviews that we've done, but now that we've got you as a contact latoya, would it be possible mm. for you to come on for regular updates at some stage? Yeah, I would love to. Be and and so that we can concentrate more on Aboriginal deaths in custody and indeed all deaths in custody in Adelaide. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. But getting you know, and, and that's it's important for to talk about that generally as as well, because um mm. obviously your activism has been sparked by your brother's passing, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I was, I kind of started getting more um, active about four or five years ago now, but Good. definitely
0: around the death and custody stuff over, yeah, since my brother's passing. Yeah, fantastic. So, just so that we can alert listeners, Latoya, and just give a little bit of background so they can get some order here. So, um, he M- M- Wayne Morrison, who was 29 years old when he died, correct? Mm hmm. And he was on remand, and they say he had a heart attack and suffered severe head trauma during the alleged fight. And I'm hoping okay, so that we have we have
3: some updated information. Oh, good as well, um, around that, which I'd like to share. Again Tell us today. about that, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess without saying too much, because the coroner's proceedings will of course um, detail a bit more. Um, there were actually two events that um, ensued. So the first event was the restraining of Wayne in um, the cell and that was with multiple prison guards now we know that um, what we've been told is that the CCTV footage of that doesn't show um, anything inside the cell and in fact when Wayne was um, you know taken, he was actually taken by his hands and his feet from what we've been told of the footage, we haven't seen it yet we'll have to wait for that, um Picked up by his hands and his feet, restrained and carried to from that cell after that event to a back of the police, uh, sorry, a back of the correctional van, and he was actually put on his stomach, and he had a spit hood on as well. Um, now, from what we know, again without saying too much, about four or five corrections officers jumped in the back of that van. Three minute, less than three minutes later, the van pulled out. So they were taking Wayne. I don't actually know where they were taking him. That's really crucial to the outcome of what we know about Wayne's death. But um, yeah, they reversed the van and then they stopped the van. They pulled Wayne out and Wayne wasn't breathing for over 50 minutes. Um, So in the course of that, there's no CCTV footage inside of the van. Um, And apparently he was, you know, moving when they were carrying him by his hands and his feet um, into the van. So, yeah, it's pretty alarming. It's been pretty hard for our family to get over um, these things. Absolutely.
0: So just to clarify, LaToya, so he was arrested. You're saying that that was on the day of his arrest?
3: Um, No, this was on the day that he was supposed to be transported. Oh, yes, yes. Or through video links. Yeah, so six days after his arrest on remand,
0: that's correct. That's right, because he was he was actually um, trying to get something with the video link to get that application going for home detention, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah,
3: because we expected to, I guess, see you know we stood in court as support that day for his home detention application. Um, he was going supposed to be going to my mum's house for that, um, and so we were all there. And yeah, the usual process is that you appear by video link, um, and if it's a go ahead, then they let you out, and we would have then either driven to pick him up or met him somewhere else um, that day to take him back to my mum's house.
0: Right. So, uh, okay. Well, you know what? That's yeah. really important that we've we've discussed that. So so basically, you're talking about the fact that he, when he was being transferred, isn't it, to the to the yeah. to the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Um, that's mm-hmm. where he was in quite a critical condition, wasn't he? And he you was. have just updated us with new information about that,
3: yeah, so he was um apparently taken out of the van um resuscitation happened, but apparently not immediately again, we are waiting to see the footage of that um and then, yeah, for fifty minutes before so the ambulance actually came and resuscitated Wayne and took him from the prison. Um and yeah, by that stage he I guess it's not a medical term, but he was brain dead. Um he lasted on life support, he never woke up or responded to treatment. Um and yeah, he passed away two days later.
0: But to put him in a spit um, hood while he was ill. What what sort of what sort of um Oh well, I can't yeah, even I comment.
3: If, I don't know if he was ill or not. Um because we'll they see. took him
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he may not have been ill anyway we i suppose we shouldn't speculate we're going to wait for the coroner's findings aren't yeah. we however yeah, exactly. you, you know um he looks like he was being beaten up obviously bruised and battered that Absolutely. that's not that's not even a health problem really um and we have to be honest about that latoya don't we yeah we do
3: um i don't actually believe that he had any health issues prior no to no him um and yeah they the supposed cardiac arrest didn't, I guess, happen or, or it, it occurred as a result of, um, you know, being put on his stomach and essentially suffocating within two minutes. But whatever happened in the back of that transportation van, I guess we may never know, depending on what happens at the coroner's proceeding. So, yeah, again, watch this space. Um, I'm really interested to continue to update you Um, Absolutely. And obviously build a campaign around the violence. Um, It just is so resonating with other Indigenous death and custody cases, um, Mm. my brother's case. So, yeah. Same thing happened with Miss Jew. Exactly, yeah. I'm actually um, studying the case of Miss Jew at the moment for my thesis. And so I'm going through the way that the media and the coronial investigations and the coroner have been able to construct Aboriginal deaths and Cassie things at the time of their death as well, um, particularly Miss Doe, you know, Doe, and how, um, you know, even at the time of our death, and in the case of my brothers, you know, the Premier, Joe here in South Australia, was one of the first to comment after the corrections minister um, and head of corrections about Wayne being apparently a violent person, um, you know, just demonising his character um, after, you know, not even realising that Wayne, in fact, wasn't charged for any crime. So he wasn't convicted of any crime. Um, and the similar happened with Miss Jew. You know, the constructions of us as Aboriginal people at the time of our death and of Aboriginality and of our identities are actually not in our hands. Um, and a lot of the time it's, it's part of the wider system that supports the colonial state to subjugate our voices and, you know, our lives. And so, yeah, it's really interesting to continue to not look at these cases, particularly not my brothers, as an individual once-off event, um, but to continue to link it to these systemic, um, you know, issues of violence and brutality by corrections and police and by the state.
0: Absolutely. LaToya, thank you so much for coming onto the program today. Have you got any final comments to make?
3: Um, Just,
0: yeah, I'd love
3: to keep chatting, I guess, and if people, you know, people need to see this um, as it it is affecting us, you know. Um, Yeah, there's not not one type of good citizen, you know. It's the construction that's important to look at rather than... um, yeah, just thinking that it's going to go away overnight. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate coming to talk
0: to you, guys. Thank you, LaToya. And you might want to listen to this show, if, or if people have missed the show, um, we're going to be co- yep. podcasting it shortly.
3: Awesome. Thank thanks, thanks so much. much. <laughs> Thank you. See you later. Take well, care.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. And we were just speaking to LaToya, a 24-year-old academic who has become a prominent black activist, and the bloodlines of two strong Indigenous cultures run through her blood. On her mum's side, she is Wiradjuri, that's spelled W-I-R-A-D-J-U-R-I, and her father is Maori. So it's approximately 4.55. Sincere apologies that we haven't been able to do much music. It's been quite intense, hasn't it, Peter?
1: Yeah, yep, that's true.
0: So, yeah, we've got about five minutes left. So I'll just go to a announcement.
1: You've got to remember NAIDOC's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am.
3: I'm black. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC
1: means a lot to me, for my family and my people.
2: You can
0: access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcast. Happy, Happy
3: NAIDOC! call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au 3cr the voice of dissent
0: and you're back with the doing time show i hope you enjoyed this special broadcast about aboriginal deaths in custody and with the doing time show I would like to thank lex watton first of all for coming onto the show from Palm Island, we wanted to also thank Brendan from Allied Decolonising um, for coming in and thanking, and he's from Victoria, thanking also Latoya Rule, who is the brother of Wayne Morrison, and she's going to be our contact now for the Do and Time show to discuss Aboriginal deaths in custody, particularly in Adelaide. South Australia. Adelaide. In South Australia, Adelaide, same thing. Um, yeah, so it's approximately four fifty-seven. We've got about three minutes left. So, thanking all our, our guests. And I just wanted to leave you with a final comment that the problems facing First Australians don't end when Invasion Day protesters go home. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fellow, White Fellow. We'll see you every Monday from 4 to 5 pm. Tune in next week at the same time for the Do and Time Show.